Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport, where we're live in South Africa ahead of England's eagerly awaited tour, which you can only follow, remember, on Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2. I'm Guy Swindles and there's plenty to discuss from what's been an interesting two-day warm-up match against a South African Invitational eleven. You'll hear from England bowler Chris Wokes, we'll review the day's play with the Daily Mail's Paul Newman and we get the thoughts from the South African camp. We talk to local reporter Christo Buchner. An interesting two days, it has to be said. Day one, as we've discussed, saw decent half-centuries from Dom Sibley, from Joe Denley, and a particularly good one from the skipper Joe Root. As for the bowlers then on day two, well, it didn't start well with the likes of Archer, Broad, Leach, Stokes and Wood all unavailable through illness, winning awards or injury. So a lot fell on the seamers that were fit, including Jimmy Anderson, who survived bowling 11 overs after being out for so long with that calf strain. No real sign of any problems afterwards, and he took one for 37 as well. And his spell in the afternoon was particularly good alongside the best bowler, really, of the day, Chris Wokes, who took three for 48. Joe Root also impressed, two for 21, so he had a good match. Matt Parkinson, though, with a chance to try and break into the test team, was given 20 overs to show what he could do. Sadly, he went for 112 and also only took two late wickets. Eventually, the Invitational 11 were all out for 289. The pick of the bowlers for England was Chris Wokes as he picked up three decent wickets and I spoke to him at the end of the day's play. Well, with Chris Wokes, after two days, pretty decent workout in the end. Was it a bit harder than you thought? Um, 
No, I think it was a, it was a good workout. You know, you always come into these games expecting a you know a bit of a, a challenge. Um, you know, a lot of the time you come out of these games and you want to just get out, get out of it what you need as a team. You know, you don't tend to worry too much about the opposition. Um, you know, you, you want your bowlers to get time on their on their legs, overs in their in their legs, um, and hopefully a bit of confidence you know comes with that. Um, and also with the batters alight, they need to get some time in the middle, face some some bowlers. Uh, you know, get used to these conditions. Um, and yeah, so I think it's been a good run out for us across the two days, to be honest. Nice spell from you after lunch as well. Were you pleased with the way it was uh, coming out? Yeah, pretty pleased. Um, you know, I think there wasn't a huge amount of response from the wicket from a, from a good length. So I think at lunchtime we kind of spoke as a bowling unit and thought you know, we might need to just try different ways to get wickets. Um, you know, I tried a few short, short ball options and, and thankfully picked up a couple of wickets with that. Um, so yeah, it's just I think it was good for us to regroup at lunchtime and kind of think, you know, how can we move forward and maybe think out the box, outside the box to, to get a few wickets. And thankfully we had a really good afternoon session. So um, I think we can take a lot from that. This seems to be becoming a bit of a theme when England are travelling abroad at the moment, yeah. flogging wickets out of flat pitches. Are you still enjoying it? Yeah, always. It's a challenge, isn't it? Whenever you come abroad, I think, and um, you know, you generally come across flat, flat surfaces. Um, as I touched on there, we need to find ways to get wickets. So, um, you know, we saw in New Zealand it was tough for, for, for us bowlers, and uh, you know, it's going to be probably similar here. So, we, we need to keep working hard on on, on how we're going to pick up wickets in in the Test matches in particular. Um, but yeah, obviously. The Cookerborough ball has a, has a part to do with that, but you know the, the ball isn't going to change. It's been there for for a long time, um, and we just need to find ways to to try and get the best out of it. Well, nice then that you've got Jimmy Anderson coming back at, at this time. What, what, what's it like for the rest of the team to see Jimmy fit and firing? Oh, I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? I think um, you know for us as a unit, it gives us you know a huge amount of confidence. Obviously, having having him to I suppose ask a few questions every now and then as well. He's obviously got a huge amount of experience. Um, you know, in these conditions as well. So, um, you know, he's always good to have at mid-off and, and bounce ideas off. Um, and you know, we only saw today with you know, he's obviously it's his first game back in six months, but it doesn't take him long to find his straps. Um, so yeah, it's great for us to have him back as a team, and you know, in particular as a bowling unit, I think it's really important for us to have him back. Now, after this, you got a tough, and it is a tough three-day match against a strong-looking South African A side. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, again, it would be a great run out for us and another challenge. Um, um, in these conditions, uh, it's a great prep for us going into an important uh, test series. Um, you know, as you touched on, I think they'll, they'll be a strong unit. Uh, you know, in in home conditions in particular, it'll, it'll give give us a good test and and put us hopefully in a good place going into that test series. So um, hopefully the bats can, you know, can get some time in the middle, score some runs against competitive attacks, and uh, and likewise us as bowlers can get some some good rhythm and hopefully take wickets against some some you know obviously fine players as well. Now there were of course several players missing from this warm-up match no Joffrey Archer no Stuart Broad no Jack Leach Ben Stokes Mark Wood um, as a rival for a place in the team how do you look upon um, this situation is it I want to get I'm being facetious you want everyone fit and firing yeah, I mean, of course you do. You, you, you know, competition for places are great. Um, you know, we've got a strong 17-man squad here, and you know, everyone's going to be wanting a place in that final 11. So, um, you know, it's really important that you know when you get an opportunity out there, you do, do try and take it with both hands and, and take wickets or score runs, whatever it is. Um, you know, we've obviously got a few guys. Uh, ill uh, unfortunately so um, you know again for someone like myself to, to get out there and bowl it's, it's an opportunity to try and put my, my name in the hat for obviously Boxing Day so um, you 
know, we've got another week or so before that. So um, hopefully guys can keep putting their hands up and, and make those competition for places you know, tough for people to get, get the nod. Thanks very much, Chris. Now delighted to say been joined by Paul Newman, cricket um, correspondent for the Daily Mail. And Paul, first and foremost, I know it was only a two-day practice game, but anything particular that you take out of this match? Um, not really, Guy. These matches are becoming so lacking in intensity, aren't they? Uh, I suppose it served its purpose in that Jimmy Anderson got a few overs in his legs, uh, a few batsmen had decent time in the middle, uh, notably Dom Sibley, who, who I think needed that time in the middle after failing the two New Zealand tests. Um, but I'm afraid today will probably be largely remembered for negative reasons because poor Matt Parkinson had such a, a chastening day. Obviously, with England so depleted by illness, he had a, a great chance really today to have a long bowl uh, and really show England what he could do. But I'm afraid he had a, a pretty poor day against a team lacking in, in first-class experience and uh, became the first centurion of the tour, unfortunately, by conceding more than 100 runs before he took... At least he took two late wickets there. And you will you will say that he, he persevered and obviously he's still raw. They're trying this young leg spinner out. and um, But I think what, he, what today did prove is that he's not ready to play test cricket just yet. No, particularly, I know leg spin, off spin, completely different, but the fact that Joe Root was probably almost the pick of the attack showed that you could bowl spin on that wicket. Exactly, and the groundsman came up to the press box earlier and said that he, he thought, felt that uh, this pitch does take turn, you know, and that the, the, the bowlers weren't getting as much turn out of it as they, they might have done. And, and I think for the wider picture, it's, it's worrying that Root sort of continues to be England's best spinner in a way. He outbowled Jack Leach in New Zealand, really. Leach, Leach, of course, being left out of the second test was a bit of a concern or a reflection of England's sort of lack of confidence in their spin options, really. Um, and, and I think there's every chance now that, that Joe will be the main and only spin option uh, or, or pretty much the only spin option in, in Centurion next week as it's, as it's going because uh, you think with Jack Leach being one of the sickness victims and, and also being left out of that Hamilton test and Centurion not being known for being particularly spin-friendly, there's every chance that either Chris Wokes or Sam Curran, who both did their chances some, some good today, will take that final place if, as long as Anderson, Archer and Broad are all fit. I guess it shows that Moeen Ali, I know in many ways he had to, to miss out after the struggles he had in the summer, but suddenly he seems to be a very big name in the frame to not be here. I know, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it was one of the great truisms of cricket. It's one that Nasser always used to say when he was captain, that you become a better player when you're not in the side. But, <laughs> but obviously England did want him to be here. Um, he, when he lost his place, you know, he was having a, a rough time, wasn't he, really? He'd still taken wickets, and the amount of wickets he was taking went under the radar to a large extent. But his batting had really collapsed, and he'd been left out of the World Cup side towards the end of the, the tournament. Then he, you know, he had a poor game in the first test in the, in the Ashes. So I could understand his, his decision to try and take a bit of a break from, from it all. And, and at that stage, he didn't like, like England were going to be picking him anytime soon. But, but all of a sudden, he's become a, a key figure. I mean, we all know what a naturally gifted, talented cricketer Moeen Ali is. Um, but he's not been showing that, uh, certainly with the bat in, in, in Red Bull cricket recently. But England's need is with, is with the ball. And, and they asked him to be here. We all know that he, he said, no, I'd rather like to keep this sort of self-imposed exile going for a bit longer. And they'll probably get away with it here, but longer term, and certainly in Sri Lanka in March, you think he'd be absolutely integral, integral to be there, and that could become a real problem if he's not. Well, Moeen was missing for most of the last summer, so was Jimmy Anderson. That, I guess, is a plus, that he came back and the calf held up. Huge plus. I mean, when you look back on the Ashes, we, we perhaps underplayed his absence. You know, you, you think now that if Jimmy had been there fit and firing in four, six tests, uh, five tests, sorry, uh, there's every chance he would have won the Ashes. Um, 
Um, he, he really is still such a fantastic bowler. He looked a little bit rusty this morning, um, but I, th- I thought he looked the old Jimmy pretty much in the afternoon, just eased his way through 11 overs, really. Didn't put too much strain on that calf. We know it's been a persistent industry, uh, in injury, and we also know that calves can be an old man's injury, can't they? Worryingly difficult to shake off. Both of us could know that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we know it far, far more than Jimmy does, but... Um, you know, it is a worry when, when you get to his age, but he still looks so fit. He's, he's still got that hunger. I know he's been saying in inter- interviews that he really does want to carry on for another two years. And who's to say he can't do it? He's, he's got the, the body to, to carry on till he's 40. As long as, he, as, long as this, this calf problem doesn't become a recurring thing, uh, he'll, be, he'll be absolutely integral. I imagine he'll, I'm pretty sure he'll play in the first test next week as long as there's no uh, setbacks in the, in the three-day game here. Um, and long may, long may he reign, really, because it was lovely to see him back on a cricket field for England. Finally, on that, it, he could well play because also we've got Archer, as you mentioned earlier, sick. We've got Broad sick. Wood's not back yet. So England are going to need their seam men. And I guess we're rather desperate to see Broad and, and Archer in this three-day game coming up against South Africa A. Absolutely. They're both confined to the hotel today with this sickness bug, as, as we know. Um, very much need to play, I think, on Friday. We know also these days it's not an absolute necessity, is it? It's going to a test match without any um, experience on the tour because the, the schedules are so hectic these days. But we usually lose the first test. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think England will very much want them to... Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think England will very much want them to, to play on Friday to prove that they're over this. So it, it does seem a bit of a concern. I think um, the wider picture again is that these guys have such hectic schedules these days they're barely back from New Zealand they're on a flight to South Africa and I think it can leave them run down can't it and in danger of, of, of these sort of sickness bugs, uh, sickness bugs and once they start spreading it's, it's bad news I think Joffrey's getting blamed for starting it in some quarters <laughs> um, but the fact that he and Broad were, were not here and, and the leech, leech of course was ill in New Zealand as well with a different problem but, but that's, that's bad luck for him too uh, so no Friday definitely want them to be both fit and, and well and, and bowling here against a, a South Africa A side that would, should provide much stronger opposition than this invitational eleven, um, because really it will start to become worrying if um, if England after going to that Test match next week with with so little practice uh, amongst the seam bowling ranks. Well, Paul Paul Newman, thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll be talking again during uh, that uh, three day match. But our thanks to Paul Newman, the Daily Mail cricket correspondent. Pleasure, guy. So that's the thoughts of the Daily Mail's Paul Newman on how England are shaping up. But what about South Africa? Sam Ellard took the chance to speak to Christo Buchner, a local reporter who covers South Africa for Network 24. Yeah, thank you very much, Guy. I'm with Christo right at the top of the uh, radio boxes at Willowmore Park. Christo, it's a, a beautiful ground. England are here getting their tour underway. What have you made so far of the action and what have you made of, of, of England? Well, the England batting yesterday looked pretty solid. Uh, I think especially they... A guy like Chris Silverwood would have been quite happy with the way his top order went, especially after he told us uh, with the sort of first press conference that uh, he, that is his main aim, is to get runs in that first innings of, of matches, and especially in the Test Series. So I think the way guys like uh, Joe Denley, Tom Sibley, even Joe Root yesterday looked very fluent and confident. So I think they... They would have been happy with that. Uh, today, obviously, with so many bowlers out, you know, you can't really judge the way that it's going with the bowling. Chris Wokes has been looking pretty decent as yet. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, although not really amongst too many wickets, he also looks as though he's, he's obviously building himself up for the Test Series. An experienced guy like that will know how to handle his body. 
Let's talk South African now. There's been a lot's happened over the past couple of months on the pitch and off the pitch. Just off the pitch with the new coaching team. Um, announced today, Jack Callis, batting consultant. We know Mark Bounch has come back in. He's going to be the head coach. Graham Smith's back in as director of cricket. The old band are back together. Do you think that's the right combination to get the best out of this South Africa team moving forward? Are they the right people in the right roles? I would definitely say so, yes. I mean, if you were to have asked this question even a week and a half ago, people would have said, well, South Africa is ripe for the picking. You know, it'll be a, a doddle for England to come here and, and win the Test Series. But now suddenly, with these appointments, it's, it's really sort of changed everything. Um, you know, Mark Boucher, the second most kept test player of all time for South Africa. I mean, he's really somebody that knows the game inside out. And uh, he's, he's proven himself as a coach in over the last three years with the Titans. Um, Collis, also somebody that, that needs no introduction. Uh, and, and those are all players or ex-players that will really sort of like have a lot of respect, you know, they, players will have respect for them and uh, they will know that these are the guys that we can trust. Talking of then the players that are going to take to the field come Boxing Day, can we expect from an English point of view quite an unexperienced team? I mean, six uncapped players have been named in the squad. What can we expect from the 11 that will take to the field? I think it'll be quite a, a blend of youth and experience. You know, you'll have experience at the top order with Dean Elgar, um, it's all dependent now to see if Aidan Markram will be fit after his uh, wrist injury. And uh, then you'll have, a, maybe at number three, you'll have a guy like Zubair uh, Hamza, who's also still an inexperienced player. Faf Duplessis likely to come in at four. You can maybe have either Van Dusen or Bavuma at five. Van Dusen has sort of, especially in white ball cricket, proven himself. But he's also a very good red ball player in the domestic leagues. Okay, it'll be his test debut, but he is a guy with a solid head and, a, and he's got quite a lot of experience. So even though it might be his test debut, I think there could be, you know, he won't be overawed by the situation. And then the bowling point from the bowlers. Um, I guess we all know what Robada can do. Yeah. I guess we all know what Philander can do. Of course, Ngidi will come back in later on in the series. I sort of think that South African England have much better bowlers than batsmen. We could see a lot of scores of 220, 230, and perhaps also a lot of three and four day test matches. Yes, no, I think you're definitely right there because the same as England, the South African top order in certain aspects would be a bit vulnerable. So I think this could be a series that could be won by the bowlers. Now, South Africa, and it'll also be interesting to see, especially with the first test at uh, Supersport Park, whether traditionally teams might come there and think, well, let's play all-seam attack. So it'll be interesting to see both sides, whether they'll be prepared to go with a spinner. Um, Maraj has done well here at, uh, at, in, in South African conditions, but traditionally they don't want to always play him at Supersport Park. So it could quite be a situation where a guy like Dane Patterson, for instance, that's done well at domestic level for the Cobras, could get his, his chance in a test debut. And what about the three other pitches? Are we expecting them to be traditionally uh, quick pitches, a lot of bounce and pace for, in particular, the, the tall fast bowlers? Um, Newlands, there were you, you would imagine that the spinners would come in, the same as Port Elizabeth. Port Elizabeth maybe 
normally also a bit of a slower wicket and so on. And then back at the Wanderers, the last test that was played at the Wanderers with uh, uh, South Africa playing India there, that was a diabolical pitch, uh, very poorly prepared and so on. I don't expect that'll be the case this time round. But there, when you're back on the IFL, it could again be an all-seam situation. And just finally, what are you guys expecting from England? Well, uh, England's a very good side, you know, obviously, you know, the, you're on such a, such a riding the wave still, still so much after this year's World Cup success. Okay, it's a different format, different colour ball and everything. But no, England uh, has got all the experience, you know, South Africa would not need to be reminded what match winners, Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow, uh, Stuart Broad, James Anderson and these guys are. There then the thoughts of Christo Buckner, local journalist speaking with our very own Sam Ellard. That's all for today's show, but don't forget you can keep up to date with all the action from South Africa on the following on podcast, which will be broadcast daily. Subscribe on iTunes, Acast and Spotify and see you tomorrow. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.